welcome to Frontline Voices, a podcast by the Natural Resources Council of Maine. Every week, decisions are made across Maine that affect the future of our environments. Lawmakers in Augusta propose or debate new bills. Mainers speak up on proposals made by corporations or state agencies. Clean energy projects are launched, or communities take action to address threats to clean air or water or open spaces that they cherish. Since 1959, NRCM has been on the front lines, tracking these developments and tapping into the power of Maine people, science, and the law. NRCM does this to protect and enhance the nature of Maine. So every two weeks, we'll sit down with advocates and experts to discuss some of the most important stories you need to know about and what lies ahead. Thank you for listening as we share our view from the front lines. Hi, I'm Colin Durant, NRCM's Advocacy Communications Director. And once again, I'm here with our Advocacy Director, Pete Didesheim, to dive into the latest news impacting the health of Maine's people and the environment. Uh, the spring weather we've been experiencing has just been glorious, Pete. So I hope all our listeners have gotten a chance to get outside and enjoy it. I was struck by a recent statistic in the news that campground reservations at Maine State Parks, get ready for this, are up a soar, are soaring up 66% from a year ago. That, that is just amazing. The pandemic has really reconnected a lot of people with Maine's outdoor spaces. Yeah, sure has. I've certainly gotten out and want to continue to get out. And it makes sense after this difficult year, who's not ready to spend more time outdoors across Maine? Campground reservations are off the charts. Summer camps are filling up. People want to connect with the natural world. You know, it really brings to mind a couple of quotes I like. Uh, one by John Muir, uh, and into the forest I go to lose my mind and find my soul. And Rachel Carson, who I love, put it well. There is something infinitely healing in the repeated refrains of nature, the assurance that dawn comes after night and spring after winter. It's a nice oh, those, segment. Yeah, those are wonderful. Thanks for sharing those. Um, and for our listeners, if you're planning those trips outdoors, just make sure you're staying safe and taking all those appropriate precautions. Um, well, it's been, uh, it's been a really busy few weeks, so let's just dive right into it. Uh, Pete, I want to touch a little later on the bigger developments that a couple bigger developments that happened over the past two weeks, but let's just start off with a few rapid fire updates on developments that you think people really need to know about. Yeah, it has been really busy. The pace of activity at the state house is really accelerated. So I, I am glad to report that a bill that would have placed an arbitrary cap on public lands in Maine is heading toward defeat. That seems particularly relevant given what we just discussed about the value of state parks and getting outdoors to Mainers and visitors. Also of note, the Veterans and Legal Affairs Committee is grappling with three bills aimed at preventing foreign interference in Maine's elections. This is a growing and immediate concern because Hydro-Quebec, which is owned entirely by, entirely by the government of Quebec, has already spent $10 million on a campaign to influence how Mainers might vote on a referendum dealing with the controversial CMP quarter. I testified in support of one of those bills introduced by Senator Rick Bennett, and the committee had an initial work session. We really hope they pass one of those bills to close the loophole that, uh, that right now Hydro-Quebec is exploiting, but any government-owned corporation could do the same in the future. Uh, the Department of Marine Resources held a long hearing last week to update their Kennebec River Management Plan, which makes a really compelling case based on the science for removing dams in the Kennebec between Waterville 
in Skowhegan and NRCM is part of a broad coalition that urges the removal of four dams is perhaps our best last chance to help protect the endangered Atlantic salmon from extinction. The legislature passed and the governor signed into law a bill that'll allow legislative committees to request racial impact statements that assess the potential impact of proposed legislation on historically disadvantaged racial populations. That's a very positive step forward on racial justice. And one last item I wanna share, kind of an observation. There was a public hearing on a bill to lower the voting age of Mainers to 16. It would require a constitutional amendment but the hearing was incredible. The 14, 15, and 16-year-olds who testified in support of the bill were polished, persuasive, and they nailed their testimony. They clearly had practiced. They finished speaking right when their three-minute limit arrived. I have to say that it is good a job or better than many adults who testify, a really great indicator that the next generation of Mainers includes uh, activists who are ready to step up and speak uh, on climate, social justice, a whole host of issues. And if it were up to me, I would say, let them vote, gotta say. Here, here, I'm with you on that. Um, I just wanna quickly note the Kennebec story has been in the news quite a lot. So what we wanna do is bring um, NRCM staff scientist, Nick Bennett on board in a future episode to really discuss and dig into that issue. But for now, let's, let's touch on a couple other big stories that we wanted to get Pete's perspective on. The first was uh, yet another public hearing on uh, several bills uh, that were attacking solar energy in Maine. Pete, can you just give us uh, the bigger picture into what's going on here? Yeah, that's correct. The Energy Utilities and Transportation Committee held a hearing on three bills that would eliminate, repeal, or substantially alter a key state policy called net energy billing that is responsible for helping spur a huge increase in solar energy development across the state. Hundreds of projects amounting to about 1,400 megawatts. That's a tenfold increase from what we have today. The good news is that the anti-solar bills got trounced in the hearing. Yeah, that is great news. I'll, I'll say, um, you know, one of the outgrowths of, of this solar policy is the growth in community solar. Uh, and we're not ready to put rooftop solar on our house, but I signed up pretty quickly uh, for a community solar option. So I'm excited to see those projects get built from yeah, a personal great. point of view. Yeah, um, and you'll save money too, so that's good. Yeah, to, yeah, the savings are great. Um, but let's go back to that hearing. Um, can you just, I know you were listening in, can you touch on some of the themes that came out that you heard come out during that hearing? Sure, so literally one person after another talked about the harm these bills would cause. Basically, they'd send a message to solar companies that literally are, are coming to Maine like from all directions. It would send a message that, even though that they're poised to spend millions of dollars on solar projects, that Maine's decided that we're no longer interested in their investments. Here's what's important. After years of being in last place in New England for solar energy, Maine is now on the verge of becoming a leader in solar. The laws we enacted here in 2019 have been a huge success. Some minor adjustments may be needed, but terminating a key element of our solar policies would be a huge mistake. And that's what, that's what just one person after another said in the hearing. Yeah, and I understand a big study that was released last week um, just reiterated the importance of solar. It was done by an energy consulting firm called Daymar. Can you just touch on that for us? Yeah, sure. Yep. On the same day as the hearing, the Maine Renewable Energy Association released a study 
by Daymark showing that the net energy billing program has already created $60 million in economic activity in Maine, supported hundreds of jobs already, and could result in $800 million in investment and thousands of jobs in the years ahead. And these projects would eliminate on the order of 600,000 tons of carbon pollution annually, making clear to us that solar energy is a key part of Maine's climate strategy. Yeah, for sure. So, so what, what's next? What's the next step on solar as you see it? So there's strong support at the Energy Utilities Transportation Committee for a bill introduced by Representative Seth Barry to create a stakeholder process that would evaluate whether any changes are needed in Maine's renewable energy laws. My guess is that that bill will be passed, uh, that we will have a pause in projects of a certain scale, community solar projects, not the ones uh, for homeowners, and that lawmakers will get a report later this year with some suggestions about how to maximize the broad range of economic and environmental benefits that we can get from solar in the most cost-effective way possible. Hmm. That seems to be a smart way forward. Um, well, let's just shift gears. The other big development that we wanted to discuss with you was the recent ruling by a state superior court judge that the lease agreements Central Maine Power has with the state to cross public lands for their controversial transmission corridor are illegal because they should have received a two-thirds vote of the legislature. Can you, can you tell us uh, why this is such a potentially significant ruling, not just for the corridor, but you know, for, for this, our commitment to public lands. Yeah, there were some really important developments last week that could affect the CMP transmission line, but also important, as you mentioned, within the larger context of the future of, of public lands. So let me just provide some quick background. NRCM is part of a lawsuit in which we're suing the Maine Bureau of Parks and Lands for entering into an illegal lease with CMP in 2014. And the land in question involves about 300, well, involves 33 acres of public lands within the corridor where CMP wants to build its massive transmission line. The reason we believe the lease is illegal is that Maine law and the Maine constitution require that the Bureau of Parks and Lands get approval by a two thirds vote of the legislature to allow a substantial change of use of any land. And I gotta say, building a massive transmission line by definition would be a significant change of use. But the Bureau failed to seek approval by the legislature. And that's why Judge Murphy concluded last week that the state had failed to conduct an internal de determination about whether the lease with CMP amounted to a substantial change of use and thus would have should have required a legislative uh, vote. Maybe they just feared that because of the strong opposition that Maine people have, they wouldn't support such a project. Um, and the reason for this approval requirement by the legislature is important. So let me just mention, this was put into our constitution in 1993 by a vote of the electorate. 72% of Maine voters approved an amendment at the ballot box to the constitution requiring this two thirds vote. So in effect, the public said they didn't want the state reducing any of the values of Maine's public lands without overwhelming permission of our elected officials. Yeah, I mean, I think wherever you stand on the CMP corridor project, it's just not okay for public lands to be treated like that. So, um, but I also know we were talking the other day, there's some really, uh, really interesting history here about Maine, Maine's public lands and some tying to some investigative journalism in the early 70s. Can you just 
tell us how that fits into the story because I think people will enjoy this. Yeah, just in a nutshell, and the history is fascinating. Um, it's really a history of Maine's failure to protect public lands. And it goes back to the founding of the state when we separated from Massachusetts in 1820. In our early decades, the state essentially gave away 6 million acres of land to timber companies. But as you point out, a, it was a Portland Press Herald reporter, Bob Cummings, who NRCM gave a, a Lifetime Achievement Award to a number of years ago before he passed away. He did some trailblazing reporting culminating in an initial article in 1972 that showed that 400,000 acres of land out of that 6 million acres had been reserved for the people of Maine as public reserve lands. But we had lost track of that fact and the paper companies and large landowners essentially claimed that it was theirs. But in 1981, the Maine Supreme Court decided that Bob Cummings' analysis was correct and that the state owned the rights of this public land. And if a number of years later, that land was restored as public land. And the lease that the Bureau of Public Land signed with CMP back in 2014, essentially behind closed doors and without permission of the legislature, would put a transmission line across public lands. And it amounts to another giveaway by Maine government of land rights that belong to Maine people. Boo, that's what yeah. I say. <laughs> it's like bad. <laughs> bad there's yeah, a reason yeah, why but, we sued them for this right yeah but i love that story especially since we're you know we're this is about environmental news and talking about what's in in you know what we're reading in the in the newspaper or watching on tv and it just reiterates the importance of it in independent journalism um but i also want to just highlight for folks there's legislation being uh, on this issue right lawmakers are are looking into this as well Right, a bill was introduced last year, was was heading towards enactment by the legislature before um, before the sudden adjournment because of the pandemic. And so the sponsor, Senator Russell Black, a Republican from Franklin County, introduced the bill again this year. He's also a lead plaintiff in the lawsuit against the Bureau of Parks and Lands. And his bill would codify the two thirds vote requirement and make it retroactive and make absolutely clear that CMP uh, needs uh, the CMP lease needs to uh, be brought before the legislature for a two-thirds vote. And the public hearing was held last week, um, one day after Judge Murphy had ruled. And one of the first individuals to testify was one of Bob Cummings' daughters, Brenda, who strongly supported the bill. Uh, she's also involved in the lawsuit, as is her sister, and uh, described the work of her father. And she said, there's a great quote from her testimony, there remains a need for constant vigilance to ensure no one person, no one governor, or one political party can substantially change, sell, or give away our lands without our consent, close quote. And her father, Bob Cummings, was actually nominated for a Pulitzer Prize in 1975 for his work. And his work is why we have protected lands, these protected public reserve lands, in areas like the Mahusics, Bigelow Preserve, Dabuli, so many other treasures in the state. As Bob's other daughter, Charlene, told the committee last week, quote, the citizens of Maine are the true owners of Maine's public lands. It's pretty cool. That's why it's so crucial mm -hmm. for the state not to give away rights to CMP to build a transmission line on public lands without the consent of two thirds of the legislature. And I just wanna make, you know, for people who are interested in this history, uh, there's a book coming out. I'm just going to give a little book plug. I've seen the I've, I've seen the cover design of this book, but I haven't seen the book. But 
the author is sending me one. Um, it's written by Thomas Urquhart, who used to be the executive director for Maine Audubon. And uh, it's titled, I say, kind of says it all, Up for Grabs, Timber Pirates, Lumber Barons, and the Battles Over Maine's Public Lands. And it tells the whole story of Bob Cummings' analysis and um, pretty important book coming out. That's great. Um, well, it's time to wrap up, but before we go, can you just give us a highlight into a few of the things that you'll be tracking that are coming up over the next couple of weeks? Uh, well, we mentioned the Department of Marine Resources Kennebec River Restoration Plan. Uh, the public comment period comes to an end this weekend. Uh, hundreds and hundreds of comments have been filed. Um, I think six or 700 comments in support of the plan. So that we're watching that. Uh, there's a couple of climate bills that are moving through the legislature. There'll be hearings on or they're going to be reported out of committee. One of them is about appliance efficiency standards. Another one deals with hydrofluorocarbons, which are a high polluting chemical um, that uh, is bad for the, for the climate. There's also a couple of finance bills that will assist in financing for clean energy projects. Uh, there's also some oral argument next week uh, before the court. NRCM will be involved in that uh, regarding the injunction that's currently in place uh, that uh, prohibits CMP from any uh, activity on their corridor within the 43, uh, 53 miles of the new corridor that would slice through Western Maine forest lands. And there's also a hearing next week on a couple of bills that would prohibit the intentional release of balloons, which are actually a fairly significant source of plastic pollution. And we'll be testifying in support of that bill, as will lobstermen and a lot of people who are finding balloons that are littering the landscape. And it's, it's a completely unnecessary um, action to just um, release hundreds of balloons out into the environment. Um, so that'll be kind of an interesting debate on uh, on a plastic pollution bill. Yeah, and I know our sustainable main team um, has some info on the website of alternatives to balloon releases, um, whether it's a celebration or you're, you're recognizing or memorializing. Yeah, something. lots of other ways you can celebrate without releasing balloons. Well, uh, there it is. There's so much going on. It's really hard to keep track. So it's great to have you breaking down these stories so we, we know what they mean for us and for Maine's environment. Thanks so much, Pete. You bet. Um, yeah. And, and so we've been at it for uh, several episodes now with this new format. So I would really love to hear your feedback, feedback from our listeners on how we're doing. You can send me an email at colin at nrcm.org. Colin is with one L, so that's C-O-L-I-N at nrcm.org. Send me any ideas or feedback you have for uh, upcoming episodes. Um, and thanks again for listening. See ya. See ya. Thank you for listening to Maine Environment, Frontline Voices. If you enjoyed this episode, you can subscribe to our podcast or leave a review on Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, and other podcast listening apps. To learn more about NRCM, please visit nrcm.org or follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, at NRCM Environment. Until next time... Thanks for your interest, attention, and involvement in the collective efforts by Maine people to protect the unique woods, waters, and wildlife of our state. Thanks again. <laughs>